0: Today we're going to have a special speaker. It's going to be the last Sunday for Daniel. And so Daniel wanted to share. And so, Daniel. Thank you. I just wanted to share my testimony. And it's it's amazing. It goes right along with the message. Because my testimony is about unforgiveness. So I was born April 25th, 1950. So, I'm 71, I'll be 72 next couple of months. In those days, if a person was not uh, of of, a good mind, they were a special needs type person, they were called retarded. So I was sent to a retarded school called uh, Sharpstein in Walla Walla, Washington. And I spent two years at that school starting at the age of eight. My story goes like this. One day I decided to go fishing, so I played hooky from school, and I hid my fishing rod, and instead of going to school, I went fishing, and I caught a nice trout, well like that, and I came home, but my father, who was a, a very abusive alcoholic, did not approve of what Took place so he took my fishing rod and he beat me over the back with it until I was bleeding and the fishing rod broke and uh, that caused a real hatred and unforgiveness in my heart towards my father and later on it re- expressed itself towards authority because I felt rejected no good and hated by my own fathers. So that was what God set me free from. I got saved um, at the age of 20, 1970. And already God began to work with me concerning my father. I got married in 73 and my father became a part of my life again but he was not to be uh, trusted. So he would come over, and I had to ask him to leave for the safety of my own children. And he did not like that, so he uh, would call up and torment my wife. And I, I would say to him, You know, you've abused me, you've beat me, you've sexually molested me, you've done everything. I've taken it, but I won't take it when you attack my wife or my children. And um, I thought that was the end of the message. He slammed the phone down, swore at me. And I thought that was the end of my relationship with my father. But God had other plans. God told me, he said, sit down and you write exactly what I tell you to write and nothing less. So I'm writing this letter to my father not knowing that in a short amount of time he would be dead. I didn't know that, but all I knew is what God was driving home inside of my heart. So I wrote it down, and I became angry at God. And I said, he's the one who beat me. He's the one who abused me, and you're telling me I must ask him to forgive me? And the Lord said, exactly. He said, whosoever sins, you remit. They're remitted, Daniel. But whosoever sins, you do not forgive they are not forgiven, and that 's in the Gospel of John chapter 20, and I 'm going, "What?" And the Lord said, "You need to ask him to forgive you so that you can be forgiven, and he can be forgiven, and if you want your Father to go to heaven, you'll do just that." So I did. and the Lord challenged me even further. even I started saying, "What scriptures are you talking about?" And he said, you've got to memorize our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. And whose ever sins and trespasses... You forgive will be forgiven. For if you do not forgive those who sin and trespass against you, your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your sins or trespasses. And the Holy Spirit beat in my heart and said, Is Jesus Christ a liar, Daniel? And I go, Oh no, the Bible says he's the way, the truth, the life, he never lies. He goes, Do you think that if you do not forgive your Father? You'll make it into heaven, even though you call yourself a Christian. I'm going, according to this word, Lord, nobody in heaven will have unforgiveness. God will not permit such a person in heaven. So I wrote the letter. I mean, what could I do? The Holy Spirit was beating in my heart so strong with the message that I at first totally rejected. My father died A month or two after that period of time, I don't remember the exact time, it was in 1982. I went to his funeral, and the church paid my way because I was so poor. I didn't have the money from San Jose to go to. My dad's funeral in Walla Walla, Washington. So they gave me the money. Hallelujah for the church. I went there, and I talked to his wife, Vi. And... I said, did my dad ever get my letter? And she said, Daniel, he was in the rocking chair when he got the letter. He read it, and he cried like a baby. And he said these words, I must forgive my son. When he died, my brother was there at the hospital to see it take place. I wasn't. A minister came in and ministered to my dad. And he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. And it's all because of the issue of forgiveness that either closes the door to salvation or opens the door to salvation. It changed my life. It changed my father's life. And I just wanted to share that with you. It was one of the messages I shared in the Philippines when I was preaching to a church. And I couldn't understand. I said, God, why only some get healed and others don't? And he said, preach about it unforgiveness over a dozen people with serious sicknesses came forward we prayed that prayer of forgiveness every single one was supernaturally healed the bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart god will not listen to you and he's driven these scriptures into my life i could it could take me quite a while to preach everything He's taught me about forgiveness And unforgiveness But if you want to get healed If you want your loved ones to get saved You must forgive And that's my testimony
1: Man, that's powerful God, that is powerful man, why did we wait till the last Sunday to get you up here? (laughs) You know, the Lord's trying to help some people today. That's that plunger. I had no idea. I had no idea what he was sharing on. But that's the plunger. God's trying to unstop some hearts so that we can allow the Holy Spirit in to do what he wants to do. So thank you, Daniel, for what a word and what a work that God has worked in you. And, you know, the gospel has to be where the rubber meets the road. If it's not lived, it's not real. It has to be lived. And he's living it, and that's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That, that a man who was ensnared by the devil, who Satan got his grips and claws in so heavy and he was so tormented that he tormented others, by the forgiveness of those who were tormented, were able to free the claws of the enemy out of the tormentor, and now he's in heaven with, where Daniel and all of us will meet one day. What an amazing story. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your cross where you took it, the beatings, the, the breaking for us because you loved us. And, Lord, help us to take the beatings and the breaking and the name-calling and all the stuff, Lord, for your namesake, for the love that you shed when you died for us. Thank you, Lord. Well, this man right here, we have had the privilege of having in our congregation for, what, about two years? Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a very short season that he hung with his family. Uh, Mm Joel, yeah, a month. Joel and Heidi, his family, and um, and thank God, you know, there's some bad things that happen in COVID, and I know he was, he was. This has not been fun for his uh, not being able to get married and be with his fiance. But man, I sure am glad we've had him for two years. What a blessing, Daniel is. He loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. Scripture says to give honor to whom honor is due. This is a true brother who loves God and is, and 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 you know you can tell when someone loves the Lord. They they want to walk it out, and he he loves the Lord and we just honor him today. But we want to pray and bless him because you're going to the Philippines, if I understand right.
0: This Friday,
1: the Philippines to to get married and to live as a missionary with his native wife there. So.
2: What a wild Sunday to, to share when you've got so much going on. Every word has been so powerful. The word of forgiveness. Wow. Who got ministered to by that? And I, I just f- keep your hands up. I want to challenge you all <laughs> to take it another step. Don't just forgive, but bless them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Take it to the next level. You're not going to be able to do that by your own strength. You're not going to be able to grind that out. Holy Spirit, come right now. And as Jesus said it, so Jesus said it, that's where our power comes from, the word of Jesus, to bless our enemies, bless those who have persecuted, bless who have trespassed against us. We bless them now. We bless them to know your love, God. We bless them to know your peace right now, Lord. In every place that we've been wounded, Lord, we bless those who caused the wound to know your healing, God. And we thank you for the healing that has come to us as the result of just saying yes to your word and your truth. This is how we live, isn't it? It's completely counterculture to this world. This is the gospel at work in our lives, that we can not only move on and not only forgive but bless I read one translation one time it said that you actually love your enemy the way you love the person that you love most in your life is what the Lord is calling you to do and that is impossible in your own ability can you make yourself have compassion for someone can you make yourself love your enemy that is the work of the spirit of God in your life That is the work of the grace of God in your life. That is the work of the seed of the word of Jesus saying, that is crazy, but I receive it. Do it in me. That's powerful. That was really powerful. This message began probably three or four weeks ago. I was pressure washing. That's what I do for a living. I power wash. (laughs) I clean people's dirty homes and driveways. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very cool. <laughs> that, was, that was not a, uh, uh that was not a, uh, an advertisement. That was just me telling you who I was. <laughs> um, as I was power washing, the Lord asked me this question I, in my mind. You guys ever have things in your life where the Lord just begins to kind of talk to you in your, in your spirit, I guess. And you start having a dialogue with the Lord and, uh, For those of you who are new, I'm I'm Joshua. I oversee the worship community here. Thank you so much for having me today. This is not my my normal spot, but uh, I do believe the Lord put a word on my heart. So thank you for having me. Uh, I do want to just share this word and this question that the Lord put on my heart. And it was a very simple question. The Lord asked me, Joshua, what's important to you? How many of you know, when the Lord asks you a personal question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, it's because you don't know the answer. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I had a, it was a long driveway. I'm talking like a 200 yard, or er, yard drive with the big boy. So I had a lot of time to surface clean thinking about this question. <laughs> What's important to me? What's important to me? And the answer, just like this message, requires gut-wrenching honesty with yourself. And it's so good that we had a worship time like this because I think the freedom of the Holy Spirit is what allows us to have gut-wrenching honesty with ourselves. Where nothing is hidden, where we can just be real before the Lord, where, where the Lord who made me The Lord who loves me most and his forgiveness in my life is what causes me to be gut wrenchingly honest with others because I care more about his love and his forgiveness than I do the opinions of man. That's why it says confess your sins to the Lord that you're forgiven and then confess one to another so that you can be healed. It's a lot easier to confess one to another when the power of the forgiveness of the one who loves me perfectly has actually driven out all the shame. When all of that, oh my gosh, what are they gonna think about me is gone because the one who knows me most is the one who loves me the very best. Then we go to our brothers and say, this is not, let me tell you about who I was, who I, who I was acting like. Let me tell you how I was acting. That's not who I am. And when we confess one to another, it's not this poor, pitiful, oh, I am messed up. It is, I acted like someone who isn't loved. And I'm able to be gut-wrenchingly honest Anybody ready to leave? (laughs) This is what we've called to. It's called just being truthful with yourself. And as I began to ask that question, the scripture that came to my mind as kind of the foundation for what I want to talk about today is in Matthew chapter 6. Feel free to go there. Uh, And I want to read starting. Let's see here. Maybe I should get my notes out. Matthew 6, verse 16, we're going to start at. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that... You may not be seen fasting by men, but your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in for where your treasure is, there. Your heart will be also. That verse right there was the one that, about halfway through the driveway, I'd started thinking about more and more. Okay, what's important to me? Okay, Lord, what's my treasure? Okay, Lord, where my treasure is is where my heart is, and I just started that process. Verse four, uh, verse twenty-two. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or some translations might say wealth. So I got home and I started reading that verse, and I looked up, I have a a fancy Bible and it tells me certain words, what they mean, and... The word that jumped out at me where it says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The word heart there is referring to your passions, your desires. And here's the word that really the Lord I know wanted me to read. It was the word impulses. The Lord was saying your treasure. don't I don't want to hear what you're I want you to look at your impulses because your impulses will tell you what your treasure is passions, desires, and impulses. Man, that that took me on this crazy long rabbit trail. Of, have you ever done any research on impulses? <laughs> it is insane the amount of things that you can look up when it comes to what impulses are and where they come. Anyway, but I, I'm not going to get into all that. I think you want to understand what an impulse is. And I started asking myself in gut-wrenching honesty, what where what's important to me was a question. And the Lord, in his loving way, through my own process, I had to tell my wife, my treasure is my own comfort. Because everything, all of my impulses in a lot of ways are trying to protect that comfort of mine. And I also have another treasure, and it is the very first part that we just read here, the reward of doing things for men for men to see that praise and it's like lord that is so not what i want to hear that is not the message i want to be speaking <laughs> it's like what is he is, is he doing that now like i don't i don't know god no you know what i'm saying it's like this battle within And the Lord began to show me, you cannot change your own impulses. The only way for your impulses to change is for your treasure to change. Because when your treasure changes, when you treasure what Jesus treasures, your impulses become the impulses of Jesus. That wasn't a very fun thing to hear about, but like I said, gut-wrenching honesty is not only just me speaking this message, but I encourage everyone here to be gut-wrenchingly honest with yourself. What is important to you? What are your treasures? My wife was very clear. Her treasure is her family. Anytime something happens in our family, our schedule gets shifted, a tire breaks down, whatever, her impulse is, how does this affect my kids? How does this affect our meals? How does this affect, and the the impulse in her is that, and I realized that the impulse of Jesus is the father. The impulse of Jesus and the treasure of Jesus is the kingdom and on earth as it is in heaven, and Jesus, the treasure of Jesus, was delighting himself in the will of God in the good, perfect and pleasing will of God, so that every impulse in His being was that. was how does this affect the kingdom? What does this do? How does this look? In, in temptation, the impulse to temptation was the Father. The, imp- the impulse to shortcut his process while being tempted in the desert was what does the father say? What is my impulse and that'll show me what my treasure is. It was really comforting. it was really comforting to know that there was no ulterior motive for anything that Jesus ever did. <laughs> there was no secret agenda. His impulse was, Father, not my will, but your will be done. It goes on to say that if your eye is clear, then your whole body is filled with light, right? I love that picture of the landing strip. When your eye is clear, you don't have a bump in the landing strip. But here's the trick. These folks in the very first part of the chapter, they they were fasting. They were doing something for God. And it seemed, if you just looked at that from the outside looking in, that that holy man of God or woman of God fasting is doing the exact right thing. And the Lord was saying, if the light that you are calling light is really darkness... How deep will that darkness be? It's almost like he was saying, it looks like light in this fasting, but they don't even realize that's the essence of deception. They didn't even realize that they were fasting for the wrong reason, in a sense. Take fasting and put it into your own life. Even the things that we do for the Lord, even the things that we do for the Lord, what is the why behind it? What is the impulse behind it? What is it that I'm really treasuring? And this is something that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you if you're just gut-wrenchingly honest with yourself about it. And Travis last week said something really powerful. I don't know if you guys caught it or not. I've, I've been chewing on it for a minute. And he said, he said, it's illegal to do something to prove who you are. The why behind anything that we do should never be to prove to ourselves or anyone else that we are gods and that we are loved perfectly. The why behind it is because just like Jesus, I've got my eyes locked on the Father. And that is exactly how I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to do it whether I'm misunderstood or not. I'm going to fast and I'm going to do these things and the why behind it, the impulse behind it, is because I treasure my Father, and His approval of me. And I am validated, and I am legitimate, and I am loved before I ever fast, before I ever preach, before I ever pray. When I'm sleeping, the Lord enjoys me. When I wake up in a bad mood, the Lord loves me and enjoys me. I'm absolutely validated, simply, by the relationship that I have with the Father, so there's no need to fast. There's no need to fast for that, right? A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, up here. I think it was the first week of the of the, of the year, and I had this picture of uh, in the old old school movies. I don't know, like what people would roll up. It's kind of a kind of a sinful picture, but it was what I was working with. It was like a hundred dollar bill that was rolled up and people would like do drugs with a rolled up money of some sort but in the in the vision the picture there was no there were there was no drugs on the table it was just money and the lord began to speak to me about how money money was the drug money had become a drug and i feel like the lord's kind of speaking to this thing right here no one can serve two masters in verse 24 you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and wealth. And then that kind of took me on another journey over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you guys want to go take a look at that, it talks in here about people preaching and teaching another doctrine and advocating another doctrine. And it closes out saying that some have even thought that godliness would be used as a means of gaining something. Remember that scripture, if you read that before? I said they would actually use, they would actually think about their faith as a way of gaining something. I I instantly went back to the fasting, and these people were fasting for a means to gain something. And it says here in verse three, uh, verse, I'm sorry, I'm starting in verse chapter six, and then three, and then the end of verse. Five and says, who supposed that godliness is a means of gain? But verse six is the one that really hit me last week. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Isn't that a powerful truth? Godliness, when accompanied with contentment, is a means of great gain. There's none of this weird, impulsive ambition behind me to, to try to gain the approval of men through my religious activity. There's none of this weird gain to try to gain that attaboy on, or that, that weird thing that happens sometimes when we get caught up doing things. But the great gain that we find is godliness accompanied by contentment. For then it, then it goes on with a scripture that, was, that we all pretty much know. For we have brought nothing into this world, verse seven, so we cannot take anything out. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pain. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And I realize that picture in conjunction with this message of keeping my eyes clear. Letting, every, letting my impulse be to focus on Jesus and how easy in our culture money has become a socially acceptable drug. And when you begin to love it, you begin to drift. When you begin to love it, you begin to pierce yourself. And the Lord is calling his people to be a people who are comforted by one thing and one thing only, and that is his presence. That is his spirit at work within us. That if we get any comfort at all or we get any stress at all from the amount of money we are working with, we have begun to love it in some way, shape, or form. I heard a person quote, uh, a financial guy, they asked, is it okay for Christians to be rich? Right, is it okay, How much money is too much money for a Christian to have? And the answer was, any amount of money that causes you to trust the Father less. Any amount of money that has caused your heart to begin to love in a certain way. I thought it was very interesting that in Jesus teaching this, the two things he went after was the love of man and the love of money. Don't fast. Don't fast because you want men to see you and pat you on the back. Don't do all these things so that your brothers and sisters think that you're really cool. Don't And don't serve money. Like these two things he was going hard after. And you, you see it over and over again throughout the, the letters of Paul. Because the root of all evil is formed from the love of money. So I just feel like that was a warning for myself and something to share today. You are his and he is your provision. Do not, I I shared this testimony before. There was a time when I would wake up and the first thing I would do is check my bank account. First thing in the morning I would check and see how much money was in the bank account. And I would, I mean, I would wake up. I mean, it was still dark outside. It was like 6.30 and I'm Bank of America getting mad with my phone because the facial ID isn't working because I look so distorted in the morning trying to log in just so I could see what was going on in my bank account. Many of relationships in the kingdom have been broken because people have treasured Money and they have served wealth. And their impulse was actually to cut off a relationship, break ties with a brother, do a bad deal, cheat somebody, whatever it might be, because there was a love of money that crept in. And the Lord is saying, my people are not to live the way this world does it. You're to do it different. Live, there's a different way to be human. There's a different way to have money and not let money have you. And I love where it says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. I used to think of treasures in heaven was kind of like a spiritual 401k that I couldn't access till I died or something. <laughs> but that's not it. Like when you, if we're asking for the kingdom to come, that means it's we can store up treasures that we actually get to access now. Do you ever think of that storing up treasures in heaven in a very present sense? You can actually store up this peace for yourself now. You can actually store up these eternal things by living different, by allowing your treasure to be different. Your impulses are different. What you love is different. And you begin to treasure things and store up treasures so that you're not like, okay, I'm going to be a really good boy today, so when I die, I'm going to have, you know, along with the welcome to heaven, there's also going to be like a, hey, here's all the treasures you stored up kind of vibe. It's like we get to experience that now on earth. And, and I, it's weird cuz like I'll live this way and I don't realize it but things will hit me and I'm not rattled like I used to be. It's like I it's like I'm accessing something that was stored up. And I'm like, "Wow, this 2 years ago this would have really rocked me, but like I've got peace for this right now." <laughs> I've got some joy for this right now. I'm going through some stuff, and the stuff I'm going through right now is a lot worse than the stuff I was going through then, but like, I've got, there, there's something here for me to access that wasn't there before. Hebrews 12:1 says this, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance And the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the, the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Does that give you a window of the things that Jesus treasured? Enduring the hostility and shame of this cross for the joy set before him, I believe one of the biggest things that weigh us down a lot of times is this weird love of money. It's so subtle, but it is so there. And I love how Jesus told told, uh, Peter to pay their taxes. Was it Peter? Go down and get your taxes in the fish's mouth. I I love that story so much because I used to be I started a business when probably 10 12 years ago and I did not know how to do taxes and taxes became some I would I would drive past my house sometimes just to make sure that there weren't police waiting outside of my house because I thought the IRS was going to arrest me because I didn't pay my taxes for the, the year before and I was doing this payment plan or whatever. I, it was this crazy thing. Like I literally felt this entanglement because of money and tax, and it became so real to me that I would drive past and go to my house different ways. I allowed the lie of this thing and the power of money to just, like, rock me. And then something as simple as Jesus telling Peter, go down and get the fish, and there's going to be your tax money in there. It's like, what? What? I was not living according to that truth. I had gotten entangled. I had gotten, I had been running with some weight on me. And I believe some of us today are running with some weight on us that the Lord would just speak off of you if you just set your eyes on Him. Stop waking up and look at the bank account. Stop freaking out about the tax, whatever. Let your eyes. Be set on the Lord in every aspect of your life. And I love this example. We used to have a little beagle. She actually became a big beagle. But <laughs> This beagle's sense of smell was ridiculous. If you guys ever seen a beagle or a bloodhound or something? Their senses of smell are like, 250 million somethings and ours is like 1 million. I don't know what it is. It's crazy. And I read somewhere that a beagle's sense of smell is actually stronger than their sense of pain. And our vet said that the beagle would literally smell something and get on a trail and the paws would be bleeding. Sense of smell was so much greater than even the pain that they were walking through. And they would not give it up until they got to what it is they were after. And I believe that the Lord is calling us today to be like a beagle, but not with our nose, with our eyes. Fixed on, I don't, my, my sense of spiritual sight, just like Jesus, so strongly fixed on the Father. I don't care how painful the process is. I don't know how, I don't care how strong the lies are. I am going after this thing. I am going through this process and I am going to lock eyes with my Father. And I am going to shake off everything that entangles me. And I am going to allow him to speak in gut-wrenching honesty in this process anything in my heart that needs to come out. That my spiritual eyes locked into the Lord would be like that beagle. How many of you feel like sometimes the pain of the process is getting too great? You know what the remedy is? Lock eyes with your father. How many of you know? Sometimes it can get really uncomfortable, and it says like, "I don't want to do it anymore." Lock eyes with your father. Treasure the father. Treasure his kingdom. Oh, this this hurts so much. I don't want to give that. Lock eyes with the father. I believe. I know with all of my heart that that is what Jesus did, because it says he looked at the joy set before him and endured the cross and the shame. It's interesting to me that when he was on that cross, he endured a lifetime of all humanity's shame. That came upon him. He felt that, you know, you ever felt bad for something? It's like, oh my gosh. He actually felt a lifetime's worth of shame so that when you, when we come to him in faith, the power of shame, we have access to freedom from it because he broke the power of it. It was on him. It wasn't just like a bad weekend for Jesus. It was the weight of the entire world's shame and guilt and sin and sickness, and he broke the power of it with his eyes locked on the Father. And the beautiful thing about all of this to me is the part of the finished work of his Father's will, I'm a part of that. So in a way, he was doing that. He was looking into your eyes. He was looking into your eyes. He's looking into your eyes and he said, this pain is worth it because I know what it's going to do for humanity. I know what it's going to do for my beloved son and my beloved child. I am willing to go through this gut-wrenching experience because I know at the end, my people are going to be free and it's so worth it. I want you to know today that you are worth it. I want you to know today that Jesus says you are worth it. Jesus looks into your eyes. He sees the other. He sees you on the other side of the cross. He sees you on the other side of the shame. He's locking eyes with you. He's dialed into the Father's heart. He's dialed, and he says it's worth it. We're going through some stuff at our in our in our personal lives. And I know on the other side of it, when the answer comes and the Lord breaks through into the situation, no matter what we've gone through, it's going to be worth it because we're going to see what God's been doing the whole time. But there's this process. But more than that, the heart of God for sons and daughters for you today is that you are worth it. He despised He was shamed, spit on, and the whole time locked eyes with the Father and he knew on the other side of it, you and I would be set free. You and I could know a life without shame. You and I would know a life without guilt. You and I would know a life of no more weight, no more sin. I want to live that way and that's what the life that God's called us to. He's called us to lock eyes with the Lord. And for the joy set before us, that good, perfect, pleasing will of the Lord. So today, I just I just feel like there was, there was gonna be an evangelical aspect of this where today, I want you to know and I wanna bless you with something today. Would y'all stand up with me? This goes along with what my brother Marco was saying. I've been reading this and it's a, it's a book of blessing and I just wanna read this and in, invite anyone who just... I need to say yes afresh to Jesus. I need to say yes, maybe the first time, to Jesus. Maybe today you locked eyes with him and and you see him, he's like, you are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth my life. Come to me. Live this new way. There's a different way to be human and it's free of anxiety, and it's free of shame, and it's free of worry. There's a different way to do this. I bless you today with a profound relationship with your Father that brings legitimacy to everything you do. I bless you to know God in such a way that you stand confident in who he says you are. I bless you today to lock eyes with your father as he looks at you and says, I love you as you are. I love you as you are, not as you should be. I love you as you are. I bless you right now to know that you are not special because you turned and ran to him. You are special because you were embraced by the father. You are loved by the Father. He knows every part of you. He knows your fear. He knows your morning routine. He knows your nighttime routine. He loves you through and through. Actually, there's nothing that you could do that ever changed his perfect love for you. I bless you today With knowing deep in your spirit that your God, your Father's favor is upon you, that He loves you, that He likes you, that He enjoys you, and He takes pleasure in who you are regardless of what you do. I bless you with knowing He finds pleasure in you while you sleep and when you wake. I bless you with profoundly knowing this reality. I bless you with knowing your Father's love, with being secure and having the peace of Jesus in your relationship with the Father. Lord, we just lift our hands to you today and we receive all that you have done for us. We receive by faith right now. In the same way that Jesus locked eyes with you, we lock eyes with you right now, God. Give us us eyes in the Spirit to see the way you see us, God. Help us to see ourselves by your spirit, God. There's nothing that we can do. There's no pursuit that we could go after that is going to change us the way just locking eyes with you could. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to do a work in us that we would shake off every lie that would hinder us, that we would shake off every hindrance, Lord, that we would run with perseverance, God. And the best thing that we can do for you is receive all that you have done for us.